The Mixing Music Podcast is proud to say that we have a lot of free resources outside of the actual podcast. Visit mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash links to find access to our free PDFs and free resources. Hello and welcome back to the Mix of Music Podcast. I'm your host, DK, and with me today, unfortunately, Lou just left for a session. Um, he was with us moments ago, but today we have the amazing mix engineer, Bob Horn. And with us today's special guest, Bob Horn 2.0. Lou, Lou 2.0. Lou 2.0, Shaq. Shaq, who is Bob's current assistant right now, thank you so much for joining us. Of course, thank you. I feel like you said Shaq, and then you didn't know his last name, so you <laughs> said Shaq again. I was going to say, like, because the full name is, is it, I don't want to miss say it, but Shakar? Shakar. Shakar Busani. Shakar. Shakar. Okay. Shakar Busani. Busani, hold on. You sound Japanese when you say it, for a particular reason. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's why I kept with Shaq. <laughs> well, Shaq is awesome and has been around. We've seen each other a lot recently. So, um, And more importantly, Shaq has been watching Bob and has a third-party uh, objective perspective and has good, you know, can understand what Bob is doing, what the heck Bob is up to, and kind of can give critique from his perspective as well. So I think this will be an interesting episode. We say objective, but I'll cash up you later to be positive. I was going to say what you don't know. Bob and I had a meeting, and we're going to give you some tips. Yeah, uh -huh. there you go, there you go. And <laughs> so a uh, quick shout-out. We're filming and recording right now at the Echo Bar Studios, which is Bob's studio um, in Los Angeles, in Studio B. It, this is an amazing room and an amazing location, so thank you so much for letting us be here. It's not Studio B because it's the second best. It's Studio B because Bob. You see how that works? Oh, my. Usually Studio A is the best and has the most It's gear. Studio Bob. Right. It's Studio it's Bob. Studio Bob. Yeah. Okay, then now my studio is now going to be Studio D-K. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> no, you just need two studios for yourself. You yeah. A studio Z and a Studio K. And they have to be right next to each other. I think yeah. that's what it is. And uh, so thank you so much for being here again. And uh, this is going to be a fun one. I was asking Bob what kind of technical topics we can kind of talk about. What's something that he's adamant about and continues to try to like, you know, preach the gospel about. And I think that Bob was talking a lot about... Um, overusing saturation, which is really interesting because it was about maybe a little bit less than a year ago. I did an episode about how people should do more saturation. So this is going to be awesome because I think that you're going to come in with a new perspective, a new mindset. I think this is going to be like hand in hand with what we're going to say. And obviously, you know what the heck you're doing. <laughs> well, that's so that's the unfortunate uh, point is I think... And and I, I don't want anyone to feel insulted, but there's a lot of people that use saturation that don't know what they're doing or they don't have their ears for it yet. Mm -hmm. And they do it because other people say to do it or that it should be done. And it's – well, so here's the first thing. Just because you use saturation doesn't mean it sounds more analog. Analog – and the, part, the saturation that I don't like is full-out distortion when it shouldn't be. 
and shouldn't when it shouldn't be is an opinion. But here's the thing is when when records come to me and they get mixed, they become more defined, whether that's more clear or more bright or just whatever. They're they're easier to hear the things in there. That's usually the point of the mix is to make it more defined. So when that happens and you've already saturated stuff to where I can't reduce it or adjust it, then I'm stuck with it if it's, you know, if I'm sent files instead of a Pro Tools session. You know, if someone works in Logic or Ableton or something, they send me stems, they, what they call stems, and it's just files, and it's locked in with that saturation, maybe it's not enough, and I need to do more, I want to do more, or maybe it's too much. And that's what usually happens is that it's too much, and I'm stuck with it. And then when I clear, clean things up, you hear more than even you wanted for me so then, you know, I've done that and people are like, oh, well, you didn't need to saturate the vocal more. And I'll be like, I didn't. That, that was that's still you and your saturation. But now the bass and the keys are cleaned up and now you hear your saturation more or you wanted the vocal brighter, which, but you didn't think about that when you added the saturation and now we're stuck. Do you want to re-record the vocal or do you want me to hide the saturation by making the vocal whatever, dark or whatever? So That is super interesting. And I think that the, you're talking about multiple aspects of it. You're talking about the distortion side of it. So if something accidentally sounds like it's clipping, like the vocal during the peak sounds like the preamp got really, really hot or something. No. Um, I also assume that you're talking a little bit about the compression artifacts that come from that saturation is, as well. So over compression, if it's not reckless and pumping, I can usually fix with more compression, funny enough. But so the saturation from a compression angle, I usually never think it's too much. It's usually the clipping sound when it's like when it's supposed to be a distorted vocal. It's like, great, let's do it. You Especially know? on those yeah. long vocal notes where they're like, ah, and it really like starts to feel gritty. Yeah. But when it's when when it's just enough saturation where you don't hear it most of the time. But then at the end of the chorus or on the bridge, they get loud and there's that one note on the vocal that's like click a little too much and then it sounds like I, I clipped my system or something and it's like you don't like it I don't like it you know it's standing out it wasn't intended but we're stuck with it because you know they processed it so it's like in that case I, if, if you're doing saturation on a vocal and you think it's important and it might be heavy handed, heavy handed or you don't know send the dry and the saturated you know so we have we have that safety net you know absolutely in general, would you put yourself more on the heavier saturation end of mixes or a cleaner end of mixes cleaner. in general? But it's it, it's probably because of the songs I've gotten lately. Mm. And I use saturation in ways where people, it doesn't scream out like, oh, I better use saturation. So I'll put a saturation on a verb and it'll do... It'll make the verb easier to hear in a denser mix, and it'll bring the tail up for longer. It'll almost be like I increased the decay, but it's not. It's I, you know, I use saturation and stuff that's, like that. That's actually a pretty cool gem to try out. Same, same with delays. Uh, ah. putting saturation on delays, and we have this one saturation plugin um, by Kush Audio called Omega N. And, oh, the Neve emulation saturator. And yeah. all, all, all I do usually is just strap it on, and however it pulls up stock. It usually does the trick for that kind of stuff. And then I'll use saturation like 808s and basses where I'll distort them more with the capitator. And then on vocals, I have a, a FabFilter Saturn preset 
but I use it probably one out of 20 mixes. It just depends what I'm working on, you know, so it's not always right. And I do a lot of vocal processing anyways. You know, I end up with, you know, seven to 10 plugins on a vocal doing various different things to achieve what I hear in my head. And I don't want to say stuff gets saturated naturally anyways, but I genuinely feel like the vocals I'm mixing don't need saturation unless I'm going for that effect. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. That's so interesting. What are Sh Shaq? What are some ways that you've seen Bob use saturation in your mix, in his mixes? Um, I think so. He mentioned the 808s kicks using decapitator, and um, I think the way that he uses decapitator, I remember at the beginning, it really blew my mind because I'm used to using decapitator to achieve that obvious, like, all right, we're going for a saturated sound here. Somehow. It's still a mystery to me, and I'm, I'm I've been here watching it for three months, and it's still some kind of black magic. But <laughs> I think I think of saturation as also a form of compression, right? Dynamics get reduced. Bob f figured out a way <laughs> to put decapitator on kicks, 808s, basses, and somehow they feel more dynamic. I still don't understand how he does it. Neither do I. <laughs> right, which is why it's I never not the asked. transient designer thing. No. No, really. There's, there's something about like, I think what it is is the way. Do you way... blend them in? Do you do you do you blend them in like the dry wet knob? Yeah. Okay, thought, so you yeah. you kind of like parallel a little bit. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, but there's something about like the way it it brings them out that make it, makes it feel very dynamic within the mix. That's really cool. It's really interesting. So I think that that's one, um, and the other one that that really influenced me is the way Bob uses clipping um, mm, on, same on here, transient actually. sounds, whether it's kicks, snares, um, stuff like that, that, that for me really shaped the way I proceeded from that point on with I, my own I, next. I one. also got two plugins that are clipping plugins mm -hmm. because of Bob. Same. Which ones? I got the standard clip yeah. and the Massey Golden Clipper. Golden Soft, Master, yeah. That Golden Master. Yeah. Next, yeah. you need to try the JST clip. JST clip. Oh, we actually have a Shack preset. Uh -huh. Oh, that's right. What uh -huh. was it called? I think it's called Shack Sh Smooth. Shack Smooth. Shack Smooth. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. That's that's something I don't think we've ever talked about clipping. So let's let's go a little bit into that. So what is clipping, and what is it useful for? Uh, well, so same thing as saturation. It can be used for taming transients. It can be used for flat out distortion you know uh it can just yeah definitely uh reducing dynamics what i tend to use like let's take standard clip so a standard clip i will take a snare or a really pointy like edm uh, kick or a kick that has a really sharp point on it uh or it could be a hi-hat or a shaker or something tambourine is great just i just kind of take the ceiling and start pulling it down until it barely turns red and it's just easier on the ears and I make sure it doesn't alter the sound musically too much. Like I haven't shaved off the transient so much that it's creating weird artifacts. It's just kind of touching the top. And I do that before I EQ. So a lot of these, uh, modern 808 hi-hats, it's funny to say modern 808 cause 808s are from back before <laughs> our time. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's like they're really ticky and like 11K, 13K, like super piercy and some genres like trap and everything, they want them loud. 
So it's a lot on your ears. Like if you're in a club or uh, you're just listening loud on your phone, you know, because phones accentuate the, the high frequency so much because there's a lack of low end. Um, it just, it, just shaving off that little tip just is, makes it easier to tolerate. And then you end up doing less EQ. So uh, anytime you can do less processing when you're not trying to do a, a drastic change in the sound, the, the better you'll be, you know. And I've definitely uh, noticed that on hi-hats. Like on yeah. hi-hats and like high... And, and I learned that from Clubhouse. We were talking about Clubhouse really? on the last episode. So that was... Uh, and I forget who who uh, talked yeah. about that, but thank you. Yeah, there was... There's actually... It was the day after I got... Like I saw you do it. Mm-hmm. I went home, put on... Got standard clip, which is like 25 bucks. Put it on hi-hats. And that top-end clickiness... It almost felt like when I clipped it enough, and this was too much, when I clipped it enough, it almost felt like the hi-hat was like pitched down slightly. Hmm. Like it lost that like really harsh upper top end clickiness thing. And I thought it was exactly what you said. Well, it was you, just like really easy to listen to. It was right. a lot more Do you pleasant. know why I lowered in pitch? How come? It seemed to. Because there were more low frequencies. So if you think, of, I'm going to do it from your guys' perspective. So think of a hi-hat has that really sharp transient, and then it kind of has that triangle fade out. Uh-huh. So this the hi-hats, it'll have the high frequency, which is usually in the beginning, and then it'll have all of its low frequencies, too, that, you know, we roll off a lot of them, but they're still there. But all the low frequencies are in this part, in the, the you know, the... The, the tail end the of it. The tail end. So when you smash that and that becomes shorter, these are louder, the low mm. frequencies. So it'll seem to... I mean, it did lower in frequency... But it, uh, it was definitely a lot more smoother and pleasant, exactly like yeah. you said, and I totally recommend that. And it totally sounds different. The Golden Master from from the standard clip to, I assume, the JST. Yeah, they all have their own. JST is very colored, when you say? Like, mm-hmm. it has a yeah. texture. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, what's funny is it's made by Joey Sturgis Tones, which uh, he, he's a, a metal guy, I believe. Yeah. You yep. know, hard rock metal. And... Um, but it's interesting since I, that's the one genre I pretty much don't work on. I'm just not known for it. I don't have those clients. But it's it's interesting to have a piece of gear from a guy like that that work. We found a way to use it in our stuff, you know, and that works so well. And then, yeah, standard clip is cheap, but it has the uh, the oversampling. Oh, it, uh, yeah. It has like 32 times oversampling. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah. But, it yeah, it's just all little tricks and discovery. Mixing is all about self-discovery, you know. So there was an episode of Pensado's Place where Dave Pensado touched on clipping and he said something, and I want to hear your experience around this too. He said, clipping is one of those things where there, it's just it's like an art. There's no right. You just got to feel it out. Granted, we could say that about almost anything in the mixing world, right. but um, what are some ways that – so because I think technically clipping is different compression comp- – Compression in the sense that compression will lower the volume of the wave, but clipping will just chop it off. So it'll go square wave. Is mm-hmm. that right? Yeah. So what are some other things that, so you said 808s, hi-hats, percussion. When are some other, do you ever use it on the master bus? The mix bus? I, I have. Um, there you really have to be careful with it, but it can help you a lot. So K-Clip 3 by Kazrog. That is That's a, another one. That is a great one, especially on the two bus, because it has a number one. It has a mix knob, so clippers with a mix knob are invaluable, you know, because you can. 
the thing that I love about mix knobs is you can overdo the processing and then back it off with the mix knob. Um, I do that a lot with a guitar decapitator. I'll make it super distorted and then blend it back. Like on a bass, you get some really cool sounds like that. And then, um, uh, yeah, like K-Clip 3, they have uh, the mid-side processing. They have different tone profiles, like smooth and crispy and you know stuff like that. And uh, I like that one on kick drums. Like when I want to simulate... What I would call so take a like hip hop or trap or drill, especially drill. K Clip is great for drill kick drums that aren't already drill, which um, just taking a normal non clipped kick and making it sound like a drill kick. Um, it just has the right tone to it. But when I'm trying to simulate kind of that what I would call the producer's mix, uh, which might be a little pushed too much, but I want maybe the kick to have that sound or everything else be clean. Then I use K Clip Three. It's it's great for that. That's amazing. That's actually really interesting. So, which goes into kind of something else that we were talking about before we started filming was um, going into doing too much. Some yeah. people do too much. You want to talk a little bit about that? What does that mean, and and how you can avoid it, or whatever well, you want to say? I mean, I it's a double edged sword because I believe that everybody should try to do whatever they have to do to achieve what's in their head and that's the way you're going to learn the most but and again back to so i get i get files to mix in in two different ways i get them as uh just raw files um which are bounced from the producer's daw or if they happen to work in pro tools or they recorded the vocals in pro tools last i'll get a pro tool session when it's a pro tool session i can undo what they did or i can start where they were and adjust stuff and mm. A lot of things tend to be just too much, and there was a better way to achieve the final goal of that sound, and they just didn't know how to do it, or they had a different opinion to do it. And, you know, I mean, along with the experience, I have, you know, one of the best monitoring environments, you know, one can have. So I hear stuff differently than they heard, you know, like they'll have 10 hertz in their hi-hat, and they, they didn't roll it off because they didn't hear it, you know. But it's like way down there eating up headroom, you know, and and that's a situation where they didn't do enough, but it was because they didn't hear it, you know. But back to like saturation or EQ, you know, they'll they'll pull out, you know, a harsh frequency, but they're, you know, a thousand frequencies off. You know, they're at 3K when it was actually 1.9K or something, you know. Uh, so it's great to be able to undo stuff. And I always tell people if they're unsure, give me two versions or give it to me raw. But... What I like people to keep are things that change the sound drastically. So if they're taking a sound and totally filtering it to be this little telephone-type sound, keep that because I don't want to have to redo that. If they have these magical spaced-out delays and uh, has a flanger on it and it came from Logic and it has its own sound, you know, because all the DAWs, the plugins sound yeah, different. Yeah. So it's... uh keep that you know i'll just work on top of it i like that you know and i've done mixes where people will send me stems completely processed and it's like i just have 15 stems stereo stems and you put them at unity and it's their mix so anytime where they want me to go back closer to what they had i can just put the fader at unity take off my plugins and it's back to what they had so yeah. that that's nice but you gotta be working with people that are decent at, at mixing and know not what not to do to screw up. So oversaturation 
over compression, you know, on vocals, if someone over compresses, it's hard to undo, you know, um, and I don't know, it's like just certain things that we don't need to, to have to work off of. It just locks us into something that's not as good, you know. I think the main key thing that you started off saying is that you believe that people should do whatever it takes to get to whatever they hear in their heads. Yeah. And and I think this is something that we've all seen. And we I've done personally, I've done a lot when I was learning. Like in the I mean, I'm always still learning, but in the beginning stages of my career where when I was still learning mixing, I didn't know what I wanted out of it. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of I was mixing and producing or whatever to figure out what it could become instead of knowing what it already could be and trying to get there. And I felt like when I knew what I wanted, I naturally did less um, versus when I I had no clue and I was just trying to figure it out, I naturally did more and did sure. eventually did way too much. Well, and, and you, you bring up a point that, that makes me think. It's like the when I first started, every producer was, you know, over 30 years old and had – credits and experience and he had his own engineer that was you know uh, already skilled and he'd been in the business 10 years and they worked together and then when that song went to be mixed it was in good condition now the access musically to the world and as far as especially production like younger guys that are only uh, that have only been doing it for two three years are getting major placements or placements on indie artists that that are doing well or they have a budget for to hire a mixer. So we're getting stuff from less experienced people, which is that'll create the problems I'm talking about, but it's also great because the whole world musically has opened to people with younger ideas, you know, but it's like when you're in those situations, you don't necessarily have a budget to have a skilled guy with you, you know, helping your rough mix or making sure your tracks are prepared. Right. So it's a double edged sword, but you know, yeah. So I think this is one of the things that we've talked about in the past where, you know, how do you stay interested? How do you keep up with the current trends or like how do you continue to progress and be better as an engineer? So, Shaq, this is directed towards you. Right. How often do you see Bob trying new things, whether he heard it on Clubhouse or like saw a discount or, or got on a newsletter or anything? How often is Bob experimenting? I would say several times a week. Yeah, he he's always on some new plugins, trying new techniques, new this and that. A little bit ago, um, oh yeah, we we had to print stems for sessions that were done a long time ago, <laughs> and and we we opened the sessions, and a lot of the plugins he didn't have anymore, or this or that, and. Um, and I remember him saying, why was I so experimental back then? <laughs> Cause I, and, and that's, I mean, some, some of those went a few years back, but, it, but some of them were even just a few months back. And it's just like, I have no idea what I did. That's basically the way I, I interpreted his, his yeah. vibe looking at it. Um, and even in, in my time being here, it's, yeah, he's always trying new things. Maybe he heard something on Clubhouse. Maybe I was experimenting with something. I was like, oh, hey, Bob, check this out. And then like he would go and experiment on his own. Um, a great example is um, a plugin that I really like from Brainworks is the Focusrite 
channel strip. Mm. And um, and I, I brought it up to him one day and was like, check out this plugin. I, I really like this. I really like that. At first, the compressor, I wasn't vibing with it too much, um, the compressor on, on that channel strip. Uh, but he took it. And the next day, he showed me how to use that compressor in such a magical way that that's like holy shit like how did you do that i've been yeah. messing with this plugin for weeks for months and haven't been able to to use that compressor and now i don't use it at all and now he doesn't <laughs> use it at all exactly that that was going to be my next point and 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 now he's on to the next thing i think uh uh there are definitely times when i pull up an old mix and i remember what state of thinking i was in mm-hmm. when i mix that so when you pay for me you're getting my current ideologies decay, <laughs> which may change tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've had, uh, so I've done, you know, some tutorials out there in the world and I've had people that'll email me about a tutorial that I did like five years ago and be like, oh, hey, when you did this, this, and this, what were you thinking? And I was like, I, d- I did that. <laughs> so I, got, I don't Thinking. even know. <laughs> I, I, I don't do that anymore. I don't know. <laughs> We're going to take a quick pause for a second and talk to talk about and thank our sponsors. First up, we got Isotope. Thank you so much, Isotope, for sponsoring the show. Isotope plugins, I use them almost every single mix. Um, definitely have a great range of mastering tools, mixing tools, of dialogue and dialogue editing. Actually, we were talking about clipping earlier. and every This doesn't work every time, but every once in a while, I'll get a track, like a vocal that clips slightly. I'll go into Audio Suite and Pro Tools, throw on the newest version of RX D-Clip, and sometimes it cleans it up really well. Hmm. Like, especially that, like, really crunchy stuff. If it's very subtle, it's, it's hard to clean up. But um, RX D-Clip, they have a bunch of other stuff. Um, and I've seen Bob use the, the Exciter all the time, quite often. Transient Shaper. Transient Shaper, which is like your favorite transient designer. from and The Neutron Lake. one. The Neutron one, yep, mm-hmm. that's right. Um, and Shaq and, and, But not the Neutron Exciter, the Ozone Exciter. Ex- ozone Exciter. Yeah, so you got to have all those bundles. Ozone Exciter. Neutron. Neutron Transient, transient Designer. Transient Shaper. Uh, yeah, so. Low in Focus. Low in Focus. Really? Mat- Match EQ. Oh, I actually have seen you use. That's one of the secrets with uh, Bob, Match EQ for referencing. And uh, yeah, so it's really, really great. If you're like 10% off, go to isotope.com backslash mmpodcast. <laughs> I almost forgot it. One more time, that's isotope.com backslash mmpodcast and use the code mmpod10 to get 10% off your next purchase, excluding Spire and monthly subscriptions. Although that may change. I just got an email from Isotope recently that said they may switch over our offering to a free month of their all-access bundle, which would be nice. awesome for everybody to try it out. Um, really nice. love it. So, uh, Second off, a file pass. You know what? Just go to mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash links or mixingmusic.com backslash sponsors and check out all our sponsors list. Anytime that you purchase anything through our links, we get a little bit of a kickback from it and it really supports and helps our channel grow. So we really appreciate you. Okay, Shaq, we have another on-the-spot question for you. Love it. All right. Objectively speaking, or as much as you can, what is a very Bob mixing trick? Like... Like a vi- this is like whenever you see Bob do it, it's like, oh, this is so Bob. Like you see it coming every time. Oh, wow. Um, 
Did, was that too on the spot? It, it's very on the spot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, the thing is that there are a few. Um, something that's very Bob. Um, okay, I would say something that also surprised me when I started witnessing the phenomena. Um, <laughs> two two bus processing and how much tweaking goes on there. I Was have I noticed that, that as well. Was I allowed to say that, Bob? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, as if it's a bad thing, right? <laughs> well, and also, I think we've, we've, we've kind of, you know, stated that I probably will be doing something different in a year. So Yeah, that's right. right. That's right. Yeah. Sure. Well, I think, and the reason I brought it up like that is, is two bus is a very polarized subject from my experience. Like some mixers, some people are like, don't touch the two bus. You know, it's like, don't do this and that, whatever. And others like, yeah, yeah. I mean, do the two bus if that if that helps your mix. And um, yeah, so a lot of stuff there, a lot of experimentation there. Um, for example, the recent tricks that 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 you found with um, what's it called, the Fab Filter Saturn, mm. <laughs> having Saturn bypassed, how that affects the tone, um, having. Um, we tried this. We tried this the other day. This is crazy. Go ahead. Yeah. Keep going. Having the tonal balance control just there and how that changes the tone. Um, all sorts of little stuff like that that he would go almost as if he has a checklist and and just try a whole bunch of different stuff and compare and see what works better. How does this affect this or that? Um, and also not be shy with EQing the two bus. <laughs> hmm. And that's, again, another thing that I've heard from many other people to not do. But then here I, I like, I go and reach out to assist one of my all-time favorite mixers, and he does all that. I was like, okay, cool, cool. <laughs> yeah. That's your answer. I, like, I, feel, I feel like that's totally, there's no wrong answer with that. I've heard exactly. people do it a lot. I Ten minutes ago, we were just talking about other people doing too much, and here I am doing it. <laughs> 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 well, it's, it, it, but, but the cool thing is, if, if someone got to experience it, they would see that it's like each processor on the two bus gives you like 0.75% of something. It's not like it's a lot of processing as in like take the all the two bus processing off and it's like, what is this piece of shit? Yeah. Am I allowed to say that on the podcast? Yeah, you're allowed to, yeah. Great. And I, and, and I want to yeah. add this too, which is very, very important. And I want to differentiate this. You said this, you said this already. But when Bob does it, and when anybody should be doing this, mm -hmm. it's fine. Whatever you do, whether you do nothing or a lot, as long as it's intentional. Exactly. And, and I think the way that you were describing it is that when Bob does it, when he's going through it, like going through his checks, make, like if it's doing anything, if mm -hmm. it's helping or not, everything Bob has done is intentional. Extremely intentional. And, Which, and even if it contributes the tiniest bit. And it. if not, take it out. Yeah, I mean, so it was funny because we were talking about the Saturn 1, the OG Saturn, and you have HQ on, but the plugin is bypassed. And it sounds like there's some sort of algorithm in the plugin where it may upsample it or something like that, um, which changes the sound slightly. And granted, I'm not used to your speakers, right. and I'm not used to this room. But you heard And it. I'm not hearing, I don't know, I think I heard something, 
but I'm not confident enough in what I heard to be able to put my name on my opinion there. <laughs> so did well, you end up trying it at your studio? Or I have. I don't have the first oh, album. No, have you, okay. That so yeah, be... I mean, for those that are wondering, the code must be written for the high quality uh, button around the bypass, like after the bypass or something, because the plugin makes a difference when you have that button on and you have the plugin bypassed, so you're not saturating anything because the plugin's bypassed. The effect is bypassed, but something's happening other you know, sonically. And it it, it like it does something to the mid range. It like cleans it or something, like makes it more dense and that was also a clubhouse discovery. Some people were talking about it and I believe uh John Castelli is the guy who uh kind of discovered that and kind of put it out that's there that's so the interesting yeah that is so interesting so i mean there's lots of stuff i mean i've seen you do also i've seen like when you eq the mix bus i've seen you do like really really small stuff too so i used to do years ago i would do a lot eq wise on the two bus and then compression wise and i kind of got away from that a year ago and i try i was a little more paranoid about stuff on my master bus so the things i put on my master bus now i will put eq but i'll wait as as late as i can in the mix and i will do things that i i'm pretty sure i want on every sound in the mix so if i'm eqing the two bus because the snare is harsh that's a bad move because i'm you know if i'm pulling out four kilohertz i'm affecting the vocal the piano the synth you know the top end of the bass so it's better when I start going down that road, I'll stop myself and I'll go to the individual instruments that need to be addressed and fix them there. Before, I would just do whatever I needed to do on the two bus and it would look crazy at the end. And um, so now I'm a little more conservative with that, but I have things like uh, lately I've had the Saturn thing and then uh, sometimes I, I would use the isotope tonal balance control, which is basically a meter that gives you access to other isotope plugins. But the actual sound, the plugin has a sound to it, hmm. and it it does change things, and it does not know, does not survive the null test. If you bounce one with and one without, and put them together and flip one out of phase, there's something left. So that's another one that can positively or negatively affect the sound. So I'll audition that sometimes. Um, sometimes I'll use Golden Massey, uh, our Golden Master by Massey, which is kind of a limiter clipper but it definitely has a tone to it and uh, sometimes it doesn't work you know limitless has a good sound to it sometimes it doesn't work but i like that as a brick wall limiter at the end um sometimes i'll flip over to uh the um who makes that a aom invisible limiter instead i've seen you use that one yeah yeah um I tend to stay away from straight old school compression on the two bus. Occasionally I will use it if I, if I need it, but the only, and then other times I have this thing uh, that I do with avid pro compressor where I have the mix. uh, It's only like 20% wet, maybe 25. uh, And I have a limit to how much it'll, it has a, a knob that'll keep it from over compressing. So I have that set to negative four, so it won't do any more than four dB reduction, and I have the mix at twenty percent uh, wet. So that adds kind of like a, a punch. But other than that, I I won't do any hundred percent wet compression 
you know, old school compressor stereo bus. I tend to just do stuff on uh, individuals and submasters, and then I'll have weird things like uh, Leapwing Center One, which is similar mm. to Wave Center, and I'll pull down the center of my mix like one dB, and it just kind of makes it wider and kind of sinks in the kick, snare, and vocal. Because I tend to mix those things loud, so that's the other thing is. is Different things work for how I mix, and it may not work for other people. Yeah, other people may need the opposite. You know, they might need their mix more narrow and the center brought up. You know, so uh, work works for me may not work for someone else. You know, but and I think that that's a, that's a key here. Like you say, what works for me might not work for someone else. But as you were describing all those things, you were also describing how sometimes that works and sometimes it's not. Yeah. And that's what I was trying to say that like you don't just slap things on the two the two yeah. bus. It's it's there's a lot of experimentation going on there. It's like does this serve this song? Yes, no. Get rid of it if not. Except the high pass or no, the high frequency shelf of SPL um pass EQ. By Plugin Alliance, I put that at 13k and I boost one and a half dB, and that's the last two months. It's been on every mix. Yeah, I so actually, yeah, that's, that's one I just do, and I, it's on. You uh, told from me about the beginning, that. and I leave it, and I like it. That one sounds really good. I like that one. Um, so on that note, I mean, we've been we've been talking a while, and uh, I think everybody's gotten some really good insight from this episode. Um, Bob will be coming out. It always comes out with more and more content. If you just YouTube Bob Horn or Bob Horn Mixing, Bob, you have a website, bobhornmixing.com, Instagram, Bob Horn Mixing, Clubhouse, Bob Horn Mixing. If you have any questions, seeking advice, or just want to follow someone really, really cool, check out Bob Horn, his stuff. Um, thank you so much for joining us, Shaq. Oh, thanks for having Appreciate me. Appreciate you being here. Um, and on that note, happy mixing, everyone, and stay saucy. One, two, three. If you can't get enough of the Mixing Music Podcast and want three times the amount of episodes every week, subscribe to our exclusive content for only $4 a month or $40 a year at mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash exclusive. Happy mixing, my friends, and enjoy the show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.